Praise the Lord. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Have I got a baby named Kian in the house today? Because you are going to be the star for just a few minutes. Kian Elias McKinney. Kian Elias McKinney. Cameron, I'm going to get you and Sheila to come up this morning if you would. Got you a couple seats here. She can be comfortable while I talk. Y'all know how I can get a little long-winded sometime, but I'll try not to be too long-winded. Today we are dedicating the baby to the Lord. I enjoy doing this. We have done a pile of these, haven't we? A pile of these. I was watching um, Facebook. He's wide awake this morning. He's ready. I was on Facebook the other day. And uh, there was like this, I guess it was a priest, maybe. Looked like a priest, kind of had a robe on. Had this poor little baby naked as a jaybird in a little towel. There's a little, there's a bucket about this big around, about this deep, to which they hand the priest a baby, and he just bam, 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 three times. That poor baby's just screaming as loud as he can. I thought, what in the world am I watching here? Kian's eyes are getting bigger and bigger as I talk. So we don't believe in baby uh, baby baptism. We don't sprinkle them, but we do believe in dedications. That's where we simply bring them before the Lord, before the church. We pray over them. We bless them. We give them a Bible, New Testament with Psalms. Isn't that nice, man? It's got your name on it, even though you can't even read it yet, but it's yours. We give them that Bible, has his name on it. It's something that they can always remember. I still got a little Bible my mama got me. I don't know if it was dedication or what it was, but I was just a little felon's Bible just like that with my name on it. And I'm mean, something special that you can keep. It's the guiding light for all of us as we go along life's journey. So today we're going to bless him. We're going to pray over him. I was thinking the most popular dedication in all the Bible would be a young man by the name of Samuel. His mother is barren. She can't have a baby. She goes to the temple. She's crying in her agony. She's moaning. She's groaning before God saying, Lord, if you just give me a baby, I could actually be happy. To which God gives her a child. And when God gives her the child, the one thing that she promised to God was if you'll give me the baby, I'm going to give the baby back to you. And she literally... Now, we don't do this, and we don't offer these services, all right? Just so everybody, so we're clear. Cat Peel doesn't do this. They brought the child, dropped him off at the temple, and said, here he is. He's God's. And he sat there with the priest. I don't live here, so that won't work. Sat there with the priest until he heard the voice of God and says, Samuel. And finally, the man of God told him, Eli said, you go, and when you hear it, you say, here am I. I'm your servant and I hear you. And from that day, from a young child, he became one of the greatest prophets that would anoint the first king of Israel. He would go on to anoint King David and God would use him mightily. All because a mother, because parents came together and said, this baby is not ours. He belongs to you. Can you say amen? And that's what today is about, is blessing this child. Because I don't know the plans that God has for Kian today. I don't know these. But God knows the plan he has for his life. And they are good. They're awesome plans. And we're going to pray that that plan comes to fruition 
in his life. I'm going to get you guys to come up front. If there's any of the family, if you want to come up with us as we pray today, we always offer the family to, to come up and, um, and for pictures or whatever. And I will take a couple for you. Make sure. Let's go to the bottom here, Sheila, if we could. Let's go on to the bottom here. Everybody on the bottom. Perfect. I'm not going to dunk y'all underwater. Don't get nervous. I know that was a bad opener. dedicated this one too that's what happens when you get old like me some of you are really laughing at that joke alright y'all wanna do we need to level this out or you wanna just do a, I may need y'all to level it out come down this way if you would some of you on this end stay with me Brenda make me look better in the picture today we thank you for key and we praise you father that you have a son of yours right here today and even though he is young and even though we don't know what paths life will bring his way we are asking you today father that you would place your hand upon his life guide him in everything that he does our prayer for him is that he will prosper everything that he puts his heart to do and mind to do we pray for success for him we pray for Cameron, we pray for Sheila, we pray for this family, that they would just continue to raise them in a godly home, putting Christ first, keeping prayer the center of all things. And Lord, if we do this, we know that your will will prevail. And so God, today we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody shout amen today. Give him a hand clap. That's a good baby. Does he ever cry? Hardly ever. Now, I remember when he was a little baby, he would cry, but he's doing good now. Look at him smile. God bless you guys. Have you come today to worship Jesus in the house? God's going to do something special. Come on, Pastor Brian. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together. To start off with the scripture today, Psalms 34, 1 through 3 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. This is the key one. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Come on and praise the Lord with me. Sing if you love his name. Blessed are those who seek His face, 
praise, give him glory. He is worthy. We bless you, O Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Show. 
Hallelujah. Let's just lift him up together now, church. Glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt him together. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue to worship as you're seated. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise as you're being seated today? <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, praise team, for leading us into the presence of God today. Hey, man, you always do such a great job. We honor you guys today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Psalm, chapter 126 this morning. This is where I want to go to read to us. Praise the Lord. Everybody had a good week, bad week? How many of you felt like coming today? How many of you didn't feel like coming today? Please don't answer that question. It's just a rhetorical question. I don't need to hear it. I just... <laughs> Praise the Lord. In the book of Psalm 126, I want to deal with... Let's go to 126. 126, verse 1 through 6. That's where we're supposed to be this morning. Psalm 126, verse 1 through 6. You've heard this passage probably many times... In your Bible reading, I'm sure you've heard a preacher preach on it, so it's nothing new. But in Psalm 126, verse 1 through 6, we want to deal with the topic today. One of our key verses is going to be found in verse 5, which is simply, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I'm going to say it again. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. The Bible said when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Sometimes things happen to us and it feels like a dream, doesn't it? It doesn't feel real. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are all glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. For those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, when you open up your Bible, oftentimes you just start reading a text, but do you know that behind every scripture, there's history behind that scripture. So if you really want to understand what is happening or going on in the content of a scripture, you have to look back at the history to really see what is happening and why the writer is writing what he's writing. Anybody that writes a book will tell you that when they write a book, the best book that is ever written is a book that is written from where? The heart. My mother had a journal and she used to write in it or she would write poems in it. I have it at my house right now. And you could hear as I read it. I was there when she uh, wrote it. She doesn't know to this day. She's in heaven. She has no idea that I read the contents of that journal that she had of her own poetry. But when I read it because I knew her and I knew where we came from, I could hear the heart behind the story. I knew where she was just by her writing, even though I was not there. And so in the context of Psalm 126, we have to understand 
that it is talking about God's chosen people, which is none other than Israel. They have been captured by the Babylonians and they have lost their song. They aren't singing anymore and they, they, they have taken their harps and I'll, I'll talk about this in just a moment. But they have taken their harps and they have literally hung their harps in the willow trees. And the Bible says that they refuse to sing and they refuse to make music. Now, how many of you in the house would agree with me that there are times that you're down and out and a good song helps you? I don't even care if there's any words to it. Sometimes it's just the music. You know what I'm saying? How many of you like a little jazz? Anybody in the house? Some of the, oh my gosh, is it Christian jazz? I'm just... I like a little jazz. I enjoy it. And to me, it's one of the most calming, soothing. I like, my family hates it, I think, sometimes, but I love good old coffee shop music. I love it. I love it where it's kind of subtle and kind of just chill and a little jazz in there. I love that. Music is soothing. Music is calming. And the people of God had often resorted to their singing when they went through trials. They would go back and they would find a song. My God, have mercy. This is what David did. You read all of his psalms. You know what they are? They are songs. That's what they are. And so he's strumming his heart. And David is writing, but he's actually not just writing the Bible and words for us to read. He is literally writing songs that God's people would sing. But now we find them, they are grief-stricken. They're kind of wallowing in their misery. They have went from being free people to being slaves and prisoners almost overnight. They weren't looking for it. I mean, who in the world, if you knew an intruder was coming into your house tonight, what would you guys do? If you're a decent father and a decent husband, you'd have the 12 gauge locked and loaded and ready to go sitting at the couch waiting on them. Oh, I know some of you are holy and you'd get your anointing oil out and pray for them, whatever. The Bible said if they knew that a man was coming, they would prepare themselves so that that strong man could not take the house from him. And this is where the children of God is. They are bound up. And, and the thing about Israel, and we've said it on Wednesdays, this is their life. They go from being free to being bound. Free to being bound. It's the struggle of the flesh. We deal with it too. Sometimes we go from feeling free in Jesus to being bound because of our flesh and our own desires and our own ways. Sometimes no matter how hard we try, it just happens to us. God's people were the same way. They end up in Egypt. God delivers them. He sets them free. And he says to God's people, I want you to be a free people. You are my chosen people. It is not meant for you to live in captivity. It is not meant for you to stay bound all the time. It is my will that you will be free. And that's exactly Exactly the same plan that God has for you. For the Bible said the night we got saved, this is what the Bible said. He whom the Son has made free, we are what? We are free indeed. Amen. Amen. But often in our own flesh, our lusts, our own desires, our ways instead of God's ways, we go back into captivity. This is what happened almost overnight. They weren't looking for it like the strong man Coming in, if you know what you're going to prepare, they weren't ready for it. And the Bible says that their enemy, the Babylonians, took them overnight. And even though their captors, they had heard tales about their singing. You better watch out for God's people. Them people sing. 
they march around walls of Jericho. And then they start singing and shouting and walls fall down. If you can do anything, you better muzzle them. If you can do anything, you better take their song. Because if you can take their song, you can take their victory. And that is exactly what happened to them. And so the, the Babylonians start mocking at them. Don't you hate the devil? He just mocks us when we're down and out. He just likes mocking us. He begins to mock them, and this is what he says to them. Hey, I know y'all are down and out. I know you're discouraged. Why don't you sing us one of those songs of Zion? Why don't you sing one of your victory songs? Praise God. Hallelujah. They're just a grinning, but God's people didn't sing. They had become bound in captivity. They've got their harps. They can't play their musical instruments anymore. They have. This is what Psalm 137 tells us. They have hung their harps on the willows and they absolutely refuse to sing again. So for 70 years, this is history, for 70 years the people of God there's no praise in the house of God. There's no praise in the people of God. Israel, there's no shouts of joy. There's no musical instruments. There is absolutely nothing going on. They lost their song of praise for 70 years. But God sent an enemy to destroy their enemy. Isn't it amazing that God can take an enemy of your enemy to kill your enemy to set you free? And so the Persians hated the Babylonians more than they hated Israel. And so they go in just like Israel had been done by the Babylonians. Persia comes in and they defeat the Babylonians, those captors that have hold them bound. And the first thing they did, the Bible says and history says, that they released the prisoners and set them free. And suddenly, my favorite word I believe in all the Bible, and suddenly, almost overnight, there was a change that happened. See, I want to tell you, that's the way seasons are. And that's the way God works. God does things overnight. Amen. Trouble will hit you overnight. And you will stop and you will say to yourself, where in the world did this come from? How in the world did this happen? Overnight, just like that, everything changes. But God works in the same way that trouble comes to you. The victory of God can come to you overnight and tomorrow you can get up and a miracle has happened for you in your house, in your life. Overnight, there's a change. The sad people that can't sing, all of a sudden, they are breaking out in the singing. They're doing a little dancing. They're rejoicing. They're laughing. They're shouting. I mean, they're having a good old gospel time. But their joy was short-lived because when they get back home, history in our Bible teaches us that when they get to their beloved homeland, it is not the way that they left it. It is not the way they remembered it. But rather, everybody's home is rubble. Not only did the Babylonians take them captive, but they destroyed their cities. It's really a sad scene to think about it. Jerusalem wiped out, homes torn to pieces. The temple of God looked like a tornado had gone through it. We find 
sad scene, Johnny, but the old men are laying around the rubble of the temple and they're crying when they remember Solomon's temple in its first glory. I mean, wouldn't it be sad if we came to church this morning and last night a tornado had hit it? It's all gone. Everything you've worked for, all the money you've invested, it's just gone. It's gone. And let me tell you something, folks, to replace things is a lot more now than it was. And it's just gone. And the insurance won't give you but so much because they don't want to flip over. So they're only going to give you so much insurance on a certain building per age. They're going to say, this is your max. This is your cap. Understand with me, it would be sad. And the, 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 old, the, the elders are sitting around that temple. And the Bible says they are mourning when they see this great temple of Solomon destroyed. Listen, this is often how it is when people come to Jesus Christ and receive Him as their Christ, as their Savior, as their Lord. When they get saved, oh man, they experience freedom like they've never experienced freedom. Does anybody remember the night you got saved? Right? Did you know my favorite part, my entire life, my favorite part of ministry would have to be when somebody comes to an altar and you can see the heaviness and the weight on them. But they get up and you can see that it's gone. That is the most rewarding thing that will ever happen to you in ministry is when you see troubled people come to the feet of Jesus and bow at an altar and they give it all to Him. I have literally watched people that came to the altar. I knew they were bound by sin. I knew they were bound by evil. But man, I saw the change when they fell off. It's as if I could see a glow that came on their face. My goodness, the freedom that they felt in that moment. There is nothing like the day that God takes a person that is bound and He takes that chain and that, that bondage off of them and they're walking around in freedom, shouting and rejoicing and, and singing their song. Amen. But when they return home, the sad truth is for many, they return home to a lost husband. I don't know what it is about women. But it's like women always get saved before men do. Can anybody explain that to me? There's a reason that the Apostle Paul didn't talk about the saved husband being sanctified and is going to save the wife. He said the wife, through her holy living and sanctification was going to save the husband. Am I, am, I, am I wrong? Even Paul wrote it that way. So maybe it's not anything new. But I've seen women come to God, give their life to Him, only to go back home and to find that the husband they have at home is still a drunkard. Their children are still rebellious. And all of a sudden, that rejoicing, oh man, I want you. And they're going home and they're saying, man, I want you to experience Jesus like I've experienced Jesus. I want you to be saved like I've been saved. Oh my God, there's nothing like it, honey. I watched my mother for years and years as, as she served God. It's grace that keeps us going, folks. It's the grace of God. My daddy sat at home after he was disabled. He drank. He loved drinking. Boy, loved drinking. Lord Calvert, because I poured out some of it out of the chicken coop one time under mama's instruction. No, I didn't drink any of it. I know y'all are wondering. 
rebuke. The whole time I'm like speaking in tongues, rebuking the devil. Anyhow, that's beside the point. <laughs> Sat there and drank. Mom said, we're going to church, we're going to church, we're going to church, go to church, week after week, year after year. And I thought, my God, how? And she would get up in church, and guess what she'd do? She would sing her song. Almost every song. Sister Andy got a song. Sister Andy got a song. Sister Andy got a song. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, no, there ain't no way she's got a song. But guess what she did? She had a song. Husband at home not serving Jesus. Drinking his life away. Got a mama up here that's praying and singing and shouting and speaking in tongues. She did not lose her song. Man, I'm going to tell you, it is only the grace of God that can do that for somebody. But I've also witnessed families after families that have come week after week and they've experienced through the persistent love and the preaching of the gospel and the example of that same faithful woman that they go back home and next thing you know, their husband's sitting on the pew. Next thing you know, their children are on the pew and you've got a whole family there and Jesus has not only brought victory to her but Jesus has brought victory through her house are you hearing what I'm telling you it is the grace of God there's nothing my God cannot do Cheryl when my father passed away in that ICU room I remember my mother going back there and you know what her testimony was He had drunk for years and years, never gave his life to Christ. She was faithful, sang her song, worshiped God, kept praying. When he was laying in that ICU room, he had hemorrhaged to the point that he had went into a coma in which the doctor told her, said, Jimmy may be able, may be able to cure you, but we really can't promise you anything that he even hears what you're saying. But you can at least go in there and be with him and talk with him if you would like to. To which she goes in there and she takes him by the hand. And the first thing that sanctified woman did is said, Jimmy, did you give your life to Jesus? And tears started rolling down his face right there in that ICU bed. I didn't care what the doctor said. I know that he was hearing what she was saying. She said, if you did, honey, just squeeze my hand. And he squeezed her hand. I'm telling somebody today, you have got to be faithful. You have got to hang on. Because if God saved you, I'm telling you that God can save them. Be faithful. Stay sanctified. Keep singing your song. And the grace of God is going to be enough for you. Oh, God help Jimmy today. i got to hurry. If you truly have a promise from God, let's say even if you have a prophecy from God over your life, does anybody have one? Has God promised anything to you when you were praying? You're praying and talking to God and all of a sudden a peace comes over you in which God says to you there's something that's about to happen in your life. You didn't hear an audible voice. But you felt it in your spirit that God said, I'm going to move. I've heard your prayer and I am going to answer it in my time. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. If God has given you a promise or a prophecy, the devil's job is to deter you. Does anybody know what the word deter means? The word deter means that he wants to get you off the path. In other words, for Israel, we could say it this way, since we're preaching this, he wants to take your song. He wants to take your joy. 
He wants to take your rejoicing. He wants to steal your faith that you once had in God when you first got saved. But now that faith is wavering because listen to me. The devil knows that God has something planned for you. He knows it. He knows it. Listen, he ain't an idiot. I like using the word ain't in, a, in our church. We're in the country in six mile praise God. Hallelujah. I ain't even lying to you. The devil, listen, he's not dumb. He, he can see the anointing. He's not dumb. He recognizes when a song's getting pretty good. He led music in heaven. He's over the orchestra. This guy knows when music's getting good and goes from just, we're putting on a performance to, oh my gosh, the anointing just stepped in the room. He's not dumb. He can recognize this. He knows these things. And his job is to get into your life. It does not matter if it's through you, if it's through your family, if it's through your job, if it's through your mind. I don't care what it's coming from. If it's coming from an enemy of yours that's been talking bad about you, if it's coming from a friend that stabbed you in the back, I don't care where it is coming from. The devil is going to do everything he can to deter you from the call of God and the anointing in the plan of God for your life. Ultimately, He wants to destroy you. If God says, bless Him, the devil says, curse Him. If God shouts victory over your life and your situation, the devil is going to scream in your ear. Anybody want to guess it? Defeat. If God speaks over you and says heal him, the devil is going to shout sickness. Everything that God is for, the devil is going to be against. Oh, but we've got to make up in our minds the report that we are going to believe. Are we going to believe the promise and the prophecy of God over our life? Are we going to believe the reality that we're walking in? I will choose to stand on the promises and the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? You have to learn to look at your reality in the framework of God, the bigger picture of God. Your reality is your now. In other words, yes, there is trouble, but his word is still truth. Heaven and earth pass away, but his words are going to stay forever. It will come to pass. Amen. Amen. Your job is to simply keep on praying. Keep on worshiping. Keep on praising. Refuse to hang your heart on the willow tree. Don't let the enemy do that to you. And then all the things that God has promised you are going to superimpose onto your reality. Superimpose means it's going to go above. It's going to set above it. It's going to be set on top of it. The promises of God are going to be greater than what you're going through right now. I'm simply trying to tell you it does not matter what your reality is. It is faith in us, children of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. It is not always what we see. If it is what we see, we would never have the victory. Amen. If it is how we feel most of the time, we would walk in defeat. Amen. But there are three words that faith screams out 
to me all the time. It is but God said. Amen. That's powerful. That's powerful. I don't care what they said. I don't care what the devil said. I don't care what you said. I am telling you, but God said. Those are some powerful words. And you keep saying it until God does it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? You keep reading that script. You keep quoting that scripture. But God said. Amen. Jesus was tempted by the devil. I got to hurry. He's tempted by the devil. Forty days, nights, he's been fasting to which the devil comes out and says, All right, Jesus, I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn this bread the stone? Or this stone the bread, rather. I'm sorry. This stone the bread and then you can eat it. I know you're a miracle-working God. Show me your power. But God said, Man shall not live by bread alone. Do you see that? But God said. Oh, well, you're God. You, you could jump off of this mountain. And I think the Bible says somewhere in there the angels are going to catch you, right? But God said. No matter what the devil said. Oh, well, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. He said, but God said, the Lord only shall you bow down to and shall you worship. I wish somebody would hear what I'm telling you today. You need to remember what God said, even when you find yourself in captivity. Amen. Bound up by mess and things in your life. Whew. God told the people, who had been wiped out, he gives them this command. He says, I want you to sow in your tears. You are usually not happy when you're sowing. Has anybody ever planted a garden? My father had five acres, about five acres. And when I was a boy, I worked that garden. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't go out there singing and rejoicing and clapping and say, Oh, man, I'm so glad to be out here today, Dad. Oh, let's sew together. It's great family time. I didn't want to be out there. It's hard. So when you're riding by and you see somebody out in the field working, you ought to respect that person. Man, I, I think people, Art does it to me all the time. Is Art here today? Where are you at, Art? Is Art not here? Uh-uh. Art sometimes bring me a pile of okra and tomatoes and all kinds of stuff. Oh, man, I appreciate that. And I really do appreciate it because I know the hard work that went. He didn't go buy it from the superstore. He did it himself. And I know the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to produce a bumper crop. I know. I know. I've been there. I've done that. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes you sow in tears. The truth of the matter is you cry while you sow. I remember, listen, you don't just sow the seed and walk away and say, hey, I hope things turn out good this year. I remember Saturdays when we went out and got down and had to pull weeds so that they wouldn't choke out the seed we were trying to sow and get the growth. You know what I did? I whined all day long. I cried. I sowed in tears. You're usually not happy. And if you are sowing and you do not sow in any tears, it is easy for us to understand today that you are sowing conveniently. In other words, what he is saying is do not do it because it's easy. Do not try to take easy roads and easy way out. 
You have to keep sowing even when you are afraid. You have to keep sowing when tears are running down your eyes. You've got to keep sowing when you're going through difficulty. You've got to have faith and belief in God even when it seems like you aren't going to win. You sow in your tears to Israel. You sing when the devil has fought you all week. You get your harp off the willow tree and you sing the song that you're known for. Everybody's talking about it. Then bless God, get your harp and start singing it when you're in the pain. That is when you sow in tears. And this is the one thing as I close that impresses God more than anything. It's the test of character when we sow in tears. It is the Job story that we've preached many times and we've read many times in which Job is he's going through trouble. He's lost his family. Oh no, 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 no. It wasn't just trouble. It wasn't just his son and daughter-in-law had a split up and a breakup and she's crying on his shoulder daddy I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it without Bob that's not the deal here he lost his children they died I'm not talking about just trouble I'm talking about the breath is taken out of them every one of them but yet the man of God sows in tears what a test of character. Because when Satan came to God, what did he want to test on Job? His character. He called in the question his character. Because he said, he will not. He will not worship you if you allow me to do this, that, and the other. In other words, what Satan was saying, he's accuser of the brother. He was saying, Job is a fraud. He's got everything so good, but if you would take this from him, he would not praise you. But Job proved the devil wrong. And every time the devil did a hit at him, he just got down and started praising God. A matter of fact, when his kids are taken, the Bible said he put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Do you know what that was in the Old Testament? That is the way you mourn. That is the way you cry. That is the way you pour it all out. He got down on his knees and sat cloth and ashes. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And by the end, you know the story. He kept sowing in tears until finally he's rejoicing because God gave him all his children back, blessed him again, let him live to watch his grandchildren, his great-grands and great-great-grands grow up before he died. Hallelujah. And he got back two times what he had them before the trial had started. Don't tell me that God can't turn your tears into joy. Amen. Amen. God is saying, if I cannot trust you, go to the piano, please. Just leave it muted there. Leave it muted. God is saying, I cannot trust you if the only time that you show up for me is in the good times. I cannot trust you as one of my children if the only time that you will sing a song and the only time that you will testify and the only time you will say the Lord he is good is when everything is perfect in your little bubble 
to true men and women of God that are maturing in Christ. We have served Him long enough that we have learned one thing. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. Life happens to all. It doesn't matter whether you're rich, whether you're poor. You white, you black, you Mexican, it don't matter. Where you come from. It doesn't matter whether you came from a Christian home, a godly home, or a godless home. Life is going to happen to everybody. The thing that makes us different from the world is that we sing in the middle of our storms. And we keep our character. Why do we go through trials? Why do we go through tests? The trying of your faith is working patience. It is making you more mature. It is the tension like the rubber band that God is making you stronger and stronger. I told him Wednesday night, a baby's cute. We're talking in the book of 1 Corinthians and he's calling the people of God Basically babies is what he's calling them. He says to them, I want to give you meat and all you ever take is milk. And I told him Wednesday, I said, a baby's cute if you don't have to part his whiskers back when you're feeding him the bottle. Because the fact of the matter is, God is calling us out of this baby mentality. God is calling us to a higher place. And if we're going to get there, I promise you, one thing I can promise you today, and I know it's right in my sermon, is that you are going to sow in some tears. This may not be preaching in pulpits all over America today because they don't want their congregation to know this, but I'm telling you, if you serve God, you are going to suffer. And I'm telling you that if you serve God, there are going to be days that you don't want to go on. And I'm telling you, if you serve God, there are days that you are going to want to quit. But we're different than the world, folks. We keep sowing in our tears. We keep praying through our tears. We keep, keep singing through our tears. Coming into maturity, we're finding that our life is not our own. It belongs to Him. Now, whoever's running the back back there, if you would put up verse 6 for me. So verse 5 was, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That Psalm 126 and verse 6 is the one that gets me. Do y'all have it or you don't? They may not have it. It's fine. I'll do it. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall, there's a word there that says doubtless. Put it up. Verse 6. You got it. Verse 6. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. The word I want you to grab in this whole scripture is that word doubtless. Doubtless. What does doubtless mean? It means without doubt. It is guaranteed for the person who will sow in tears. And though some of you are going through the struggle right now in your life and the word of the Lord to you today is so in tears. Don't let up. Don't back up. Don't quit going to church over it. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Or like we used to say it in the good old days, don't throw in the towel. Don't get down and give out and give up. 
you so in tears. Because the devil knows that if you keep sowing in tears, you will be doubtless. That means you will come back full of faith. The reason Job could pray like he prayed, he sowed in tears and he knew without a doubt that the God that he served was going to be faithful to him. And he came back full of faith, knowing with God, with my God, all things are possible. And God says that the promise to the believer when we believe in God and so in tears is that we're going to come back with some sheaves and rejoice. We're going to come back with our miracle. We're going to come back with that healing. We're going to come back with a prayer answered. We're bringing it back with us, not in tears. But we're going to come back and we're going to be rejoicing for those who sow in tears. I'm finished with that verse. Shall reap in joy. Let me close. Let's stand. I, I'm done. I'm done today. I really am. I'm done. Psalm 30. Psalm chapter 30. Psalm chapter 30. Verse 1 through 5. I'm going to leave you with this. Oh, I will exalt you, Lord. For you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God. I cried to you for help. And you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, oh, Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. I, there's some things you think are going to kill you. But they're not going to kill you. You brought me up from the grave. One version says Sheol, which means hell. You brought me up from hell, oh Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Verse 4. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. What did he want you to do? He wants you to sing your song. Exclamation point. Praise his holy name. For his anger, it lasts for a moment. But his favor will last for a lifetime. In other words, sometimes maybe we get God a little upset, you know? He gets tired of our whining. He gets tired of our complaining. Maybe he does get a little angry with us sometimes, kind of like a father does a son. But it says his anger will last for a moment, but his favor that's on your life is going to last for a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy is coming with the morning. When you go to bed, Israel, tonight you're going to weep. Tonight you're going to be in captivity by your captors. But when the sun peeks up tomorrow morning, maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm not preaching this good enough. Maybe it's just me feeling it. But when the sun peaks up in the morning, you're not going to be crying. You are going to be celebrating. 
and you are going to be joyful and you are going to rejoice because joy is going to come in the morning. And though there were those that doubted it and though there were those that did not have faith and said this is just like Egypt all over again. We're going to stay here for hundreds of years. But no, no, no. God said it ain't happening. Not this time. And when they looked over their little jail cell, they could see out their little window they saw another army coming and it wasn't an enemy of God's people it was a friend not a foe and when they got there guess what they did they set them free I need somebody to know your weeping may last tonight but I assure you if you sow in tears joy comes with the morning Father I praise you today I thank you for who you are I give you glory I give you honor. I give you praise. I'm asking you to take your people today. And I'm asking you to turn their sorrow, their mourning, their tears into joy. This is your promise for your children. This is your promise for us. That if we'll sow in our tears, we shall reap in joy. Father, today I ask that every believer in this house would claim that promise right now in the name of Jesus. That they would cast off every work of Satan, rebuke him in the name of Jesus and say, but God said, keep praying, keep believing, keep singing their song. Because God's up to something special and he's going to do it. And when he does it, it can happen overnight. Sing it, Brian. Sing it. The altars are always open. You know that. Sing it, Brian. Come on and praise the Lord with me. Sing and you love His name. Put the words up there. Put the words up there. Come on and lift your voice with me. He's worthy of all our
We leave this house doubtless today, knowing that everything you have promised, you will make it good. You will make it true. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Yes, in the good times, even in the bad, we will sing praises to your name. If you'll do it, would you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? The team, hold on. I almost forgot. Sandra gave me a list of announcements. Please let me do this really, really quick. This Wednesday, Gap Hill Celebration Choir will be meeting in the choir room after service until 8.15. All right, it is open. This is a choir that is open to all ages. So that means if you're, if you're 16, 18, 20, some of our young singers, some of you that sing really well, even younger, we want you to be in this choir, all right? That is Wednesday until 8.15. Next Sunday, January 14, is going to be Joyful Praise, which is a senior adult choir. We'll be meeting at 5.30 in the choir room. Gap Widows meeting Tuesday, January 23rd at noon. Mark your calendars. Kim Kearns, that's, of course, Tim. Y'all don't know Kim. Anyhow, Kim Kearns is going to be with us. Some of you older ones know her. Really, really good speaker. I'm excited about that. So she'll be the guest speaker. There will also be a ladies' painting party on Sunday, February 4th, after the morning worship service. Plan is soup, bread, and desserts for lunch. Donations are needed. And Melissa Riddle, where are you, Melissa? That lady right there just lifted her hand. See her to sign up. The cost of painting will be $30. As a matter of fact, I think when you do your screen there, there's actually, Chevy, if you'll put the announcements up, there's actually a barcode that you can scan with your phone, I believe, to pay. Is that right? All right. There you go. Payable. Cash your check to Melissa. Or you can do Venmo. That's what that's for and pay directly. All right. Church hoodies are available today. Church hats. We got all kinds of stuff back there. And uh, if you got a car tag, um, where, where's Bryce? Is he already back there? Bryce is he's Johnny on the spot. He's already ready to sell. He brought me about $700 last week. He's selling like crazy. Him and Ansley and McKenzie, and they're just doing a great job out there. And so go by and see them. We've got hats back there. The car tags are free. Those little things that go around your arm are free. But uh, the hoodies are $20. We're going to sell them until we sell out. If we don't have your size, just tell them what size you need, and we can order some more. God bless you today is our prayer.